Empire. You do you. We had somebody that called in yesterday that said, hey, I've seen this new tech that helps transplants go into new communities and figure out real estate needs. And it's a startup and the guy that has created it has also built some apps. I mean, that's, that comes out of left field. That's David Schwab, executive vice president at the global marketing and management firm, Octagon. He's helping athletes navigate branding and investment during the sports tech boom. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Can athletes touch gambling? I don't know. How do they build their profiles and what kinds of investments are ripe for those who want to go the VC route? David Schwab is figuring all of that out every day and we'll get to him in a moment. But first, the future is now with one of those age-old advertiser slash partners slash team unifiers, Gatorade. Gatorade is an OG of the sports science field. It wasn't that long ago that they ran kitschy ads showcasing the Florida Gators' rise to college football prominence back in the 1960s when their players were drinking that special Gator Aid. Remember the Keith Jackson commercials? These days, the lab is bigger and far more modern as Gatorade wants to make sure that everyone knows innovation isn't just part of their past. And recently, Fast Company went to the Gatorade Sports Science Institute, where they aren't just studying beverages. Here's a clip. We met with James Carter, the director of the Gatorade Sports Science Institute, and student-athlete Oscar. James showed us how an array of fascinating lab tests can be used to create innovative tech like the GX Sweat Patch. This is our dual-energy X-ray optometry machine, or DEXA for short, and it will give us an accurate reading of Oscar's fat mass but also fat free mass so muscle and bone for example and what are you doing with that information we're using it for personalization purposes so this is one of the tests that will help us creating nutrition advice to support his 24 7 demands scott mebus is the vice president of entertainment at inc and fast company and he joins us now so what did you learn about what gatorade is studying i learned that they are very good at creating their own audience which I think is what any major corporation is trying to do. So, you know, as they're looking into what perspiration and, and you know, rejuvenation and, and hydration, you know, that's always been their, their main focus. But the way they're kind of drilling down on the science of that and creating solutions for that, uh, it is really fascinating to watch, but also to know that they're creating products at the end of the day that they can sell to solve these problems. And the way they work with, uh, you know, essentially they work with professional athletes and they try to develop this stuff with them. And uh, you know, that, that's how they make sure that it's, you know, working for the pro athlete. But the people that they work with the most are, are teenage athletes. You know, it's the student athlete. And I think that's who their biggest consumer is, too. So I think that's smart. I think the word skeptical is an understatement here in how you responded to that. So you're a touch skeptical about what Gatorade is doing no, here? No, no, I'm not skeptical about it at all. I mean, I, look, I... I cover a lot of businesses. We we speak to a lot of, uh, you know, uh, pretty much every company has an innovation lab. The purpose of our series is to look at innovation labs. And I'm not skeptical at all. It's actually, I think, uh, 
I actually think it's just very smart, and uh, it's very smart that they look at they, they're drilling down into such the minutia of performance because you know if you think about uh, what you know what Gatorade has to do is they have to essentially come up with improvements and they need to iterate on something that's actually really basic, right? I'm thirsty, it makes me perform worse, so now I gotta hydrate and I'll perform better. Like when you look at it that way, you're like, all right, well then just drink water. Uh, so you know, when it comes to like Gatorade succeeding as a uh, as a product, they really have to say they have to look into such minutiae performance and really figure out that you know if you're you're at 80% and we're going to be able to get you to 90% or 100% or you're at 95% we're going to get you to 100%. You know, they have to work that much harder to make sure that they find that little bit of boost that's going to help these athletes. All right, um before we played the clip of the video, I mentioned the the old school kitschy ad campaign that they had where they were trying to remind people that they were kind of their first in this field. Um and now we're watching this video that you guys put together and produced and clearly they want to get this message out that they're modern, right? Is is that kind of what's happening here with Gatorade? Well, they are modern. I mean, there's a lot of money in that innovation lab. There's a lot of uh you know, they have an entire science team that they, you know, they're all you know, PhDs of this and PhDs of that, and they're working on this. So, I mean, yeah, I think they're, you know, we are only covering in this series that I'm doing, uh, you know, this Innovation 360 series that we're doing, we're only covering uh, companies that really are, like, pushing the boundaries. So, you know, we vetted them and made sure they were really doing something special before we went down there. So they, they are doing something special. Scott Bebus is the Vice President of Entertainment at Inc. and Fast Company. Thank you, Scott. You got it. Up next, David Schwab, Executive Vice President at Octagon. The future is now. Our guest this week is David Schwab, who is the executive vice president at the global sports marketing and management company, Octagon. Now, before we get started, some full disclosure here. I am represented by Octagon, but as you're about to hear, most of the topics we're going to discuss today will have nothing to do with me. Hey, David, how are you? I'm doing fine, Bram. Good day. Yes. uh, 20 years at the company. Octagon was what when you started, and and how would you describe it now? Yeah, the day I started was the first day the name actually changed to Octagon. Before that, it was a sports agency called Advantage, and as we keep talking, I'll share a bit more of that history. Um, but back then, it was a couple hundred people that did event management for companies, uh, sports sponsorship evaluation for brands, and talent managers for many athletes around the world. So back then, it was a couple hundred people. Fast forward to now, it's about a thousand that does that and now has expanded into gaming, music, uh, festivals, entertainment, Hollywood, too. Now, you mentioned gaming. We'll get to that in a minute. Obviously, that is a huge emerging market here. Um, Let's pull back the curtain for a moment. Um, What is a marketing and brand management company looking for when they're trying to align a new product with a client? Mm, um, When they're trying to align a new product with a client. So you've got two different sides there. You have talent and you have brand. Let's take the brand side. So we are figuring out experiential brand activation and launch work for brands like Delta, BMW, uh, PlayStation, MasterCard, Taco Bell, and others. And so 
when we do that, we're first trying to assess maybe a challenge or a problem. What, what does the audience, their consumers, what do they not get? What are they looking for? And this is classic of what startups and founders are trying to figure out now, too. What's an opening in the marketplace that consumers are asking for? And then they try to create it. And they try to create something that solves that need. And if they're able to do that, then it's the marketing side of that and branding to amplify it and make sure that people around the world or geographically appropriate know about it uh, to hammer home that message. How has it changed now in this startup world where there are businesses and companies that are trying to align with whether it's entertainers or athletes or, or broadcasters or whoever it may be that you're working with? How has that changed over the last 10 plus years? Yeah, on the talent side, uh, a lot of talent are more interested in being business owners than they are spokespeople. They'd rather help sit back and help dictate direction versus being on a commercial set and a director telling them where to act, how to sound, and you know, having to schedule two or three media days and post 20 or 30 times on behalf of a product. Not everybody. I mean, there's a lot of endorsements, and it's part of our daily work. That will never go away. But there's a huge uptick of people wanting to be business owners. And I think that stems from talent spending their whole lives driving a lot of attention and revenue to owners, starting with the NCAA to the teams that are on now. And they, I guess, want a, a bigger piece of that pie and are willing to take some of that risk on themselves uh, to have a piece of the ownership. Um, are you, in turn, pushing your clients towards investment instead of being spokesmen? Yeah, so we have a wealth management business of 15 people, Octagon Financial Services, and their job is to manage uh, really a family office for talent. That could be anything from uh, paying their bills and doing their taxes to figuring out what to do with all of their assets. And uh, venture capital, private equity, that part of the, let's call it, alternate investment world is appropriate as a diversification strategy of one's wealth, but it's just a slice. It is, it is a piece just like you with however you, you handle your money, Bram, if that's with stocks or mutual funds, um, or just sitting in the bank. You've got a pie chart, and based on your income and your age and what your goals are, you, you know, sometimes have more risk, sometimes are a bit more conservative. Players' careers are very short. You know, two, three, four years on average in a number of sports. So a lot of money, short period of time. So important to save because they may be out of the league at 25. And, you know, you've got another 60, 70 years. So I think it's a piece of, it's uh, just a piece, though. Um, Did you see a tipping point for this? Was it LeBron James producing things or Kevin Durant getting involved in Silicon Valley? Was there a moment where all of a sudden you're realizing that your clients are asking for a different type of service and that's investment? Yeah, I think it was when vitamin water sold to Coke and a number of celebrities were reported to make a ton of money. I think the amount of money that everyone made was less than what uh, was reported, but people like 50 Cent and others made a lot of money. And people thought at the time, geez, 
maybe I don't need to just be an endorser for a soda brand, but maybe I should be on the business ownership side. Mm. Um, what kind of technology, this is a, a sports tech podcast, so what kind of technology is out there right now that seems to be appealing to your clients? Mm. On the brand side, you're seeing, I mean, we, we're living in this world of what we call influencer marketing. Influencer marketing is no different than a brand hiring Marilyn Monroe or Joe Namath 50 years ago and using them in their marketing uh, activities. But all of a sudden, once the advent of technology and social platforms came to be, the Insta, Snap, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, WeChat, etc., it gave, as you know, the ability for talent to deal with consumers directly, anytime, moments after a game, from their car ride home. Um, so that's been a huge piece. And then the platforms to support influencer marketing, easier for a brand to do the analysis of what type of person and talent is appropriate for a brand. So if you are Lululemon or Kind Snack Bars or Equinox, you're able to hone in on not just the person that uh, could be uh, your role model type of person, but you can look into their audience and get a sense, are they men, are they women, what age, what income, what are the passions and interests? So that's a huge piece of technology that wasn't there that helps on the science piece of hiring talent. There's, of course, the art. Are they a good person or not? Uh, what are their personal interests? How much money does it cost? Are their teams around them good? Are there other business partners smart and you can do cooperative opportunities? So it's still an art and a science. And then on the talent piece, I mean, biometrics and training and the ability to know what type of product you should put in your body to optimize uh, your nutrition and your wellness and health, as well as as you see it daily in sports and right now with, with pro basketball, the charts of their one's health on court and where they're shooting and at what point during the game are they tired, when should they come out. So both of those pieces are, are just a bit, but we, we see technology in everything we do every day. What are the athletes coming to you with? What do they like? What are they saying, I want to be part of that? It, it totally depends on each athlete. There are some, we had somebody that called in yesterday that said, hey, I, I've seen this new tech that helps transplants go into new communities and figure out real estate needs. And it's a startup, and the guy that has created it has also built some apps. I mean, that's, that comes out of left field. Uh, but his personal interest he wants to be a commercial developer after he retires. So that type of technology may make sense for him. Now you have to evaluate, should you be an endorser? Should you be an investor? Should you be an advisor? You could do all three. Um, so those are the types of decisions that people are making. And then others may just be products they find cool or things that their buddies like or things that actually affect what they do every day. We, I know our wealth management guys will say, if a brand comes to you and they're willing to give you some equity for, to use your name and likeness, to often not do it unless you're willing to put money
money in yourself. Because if you believe in it and you think this business really will succeed, we'll put some energy behind it because then you're going to care more and deliver more. If you're just getting equity for a little bit of name and likeness, you're not going to spend the time that you should uh, to, to make sure this product succeeds or at least give you the best chance or give the product the best chance to succeed with what you can bring to the table, your audience, your ability to amplify your relationships. Um, so that, that's an interesting piece to it. I'm not sure all wealth managers have that same philosophy, uh, but that's how our guys look at it. I mean, so in this space, we've got a lot of people who, who've leveraged social media. They've gotten very good at it. Um, you're finding partners for them, whether it's investment or, or traditional spokesperson. How about teams and leagues? How are you guys working with them now to leverage their stars, leverage their brand, and put this whole puzzle together? Yeah, our clients are not teams and leagues. Our clients are their partners. Uh, so we, we may interact or have clients that, you know, five different partners of MLB or six with the NFL and go across a number of leagues and obviously talent too. So the balance is a brand doing a partnership with a team or a league, and with that you get certain rights, and it's taking – uh, the, the use of those rights and pushing your message out that is beneficial to you, but also complementary to the brand, uh, excuse me, to the team. I mean, you got to imagine if there's a team, pick any team, the New York Yankees, they may have 30 different corporate partners. They've broken those corporate partners into different categories, so there are no conflicts. But those brands each get the same rights in terms of the New York Yankees logo um, or tickets or the ability to use the Yankees name or maybe some retired names, then it's up to each team to, or each brand to create its own platform or its own idea that they can try to carve out with the Yankees or whatever team you may be. So we're not doing it for the team, but for each brand or talent, you're trying to work with the team and league, but also try to create something that's differentiated from everybody else that is too. Um, let's get to a couple of the, the big topics that are out in this space these days, and that's eSports. Um, from a marketing and management perspective, what is the future of eSports? We know this, gaming is here, Gaming will be the future. The amount of people that play it, you know, millions and millions, a lot more outside the United States, but millions still within the United States. You know, Twitch won first. You know, they were the first platform, and then they were sold to Amazon for $800 plus million. Kind of a proof point right there. So I think when you ask people, they'd say, the place where people are watching is critical mass, and that's a place people want to be and advertise. What's undetermined yet is what happens to all of these teams when they're competing and where the audience is and therefore how to monetize it. So if you have League of Legends leagues and you have Overwatch leagues, you've got groups of people competing against each other, but when money is going to really happen and the owners that have spent a lot of money to buy these teams where they're able to monetize it is when you get millions and tens of millions of people willing to watch those matches and engage with their audience. That's not happened yet, but we're also in the infancy of it. 
And then the flip side is the representation of gamers and the choice of what type of gamers would one want to represent on the talent management side? Do you want to represent individuals on an Overwatch team? Or do you want to represent streamers like Ninja that aren't associated with a team but have just built their own brand within the platform? Are you buying esports as surpassing traditional sports in terms of like brand awareness, opportunities, et cetera, down the road? I think esports is getting an incredible amount of buzz, um, publicity, and financial support from team owners and the high net worth people. I think it is a hedge to some of their current investments and an opportunity because they can connect with a whole new set of fans. I've heard Ted Leonsa say multiple times that the next crop of Washington Wizards fans are not going to come from kids necessarily in the DMV, Washington, D.C. area that are watching the, the team play on local TV, but it's going to be fans and kids from around the world that are playing with Wizards stars on NBA 2K. So it's, I believe in that. I believe there is a huge audience. Now it's up to everyone to figure out how to monetize it, which may take years, um, as all businesses do as they evolve. How about sports gambling? Um, the proliferation of that in the marketplace, it does what? Uh, it increases engagement in fandom. Um, it makes people talk about sports more and individuals more. It's interesting if you look at the numbers in the last eight months since the Supreme Court changed uh, its ruling, and I don't know if there's, let's say, 10 states that have made it uh, okay so far. Really, Jersey's the one that uh, has done the best by far, and they already had the infrastructure built in in the community and the mindset with Atlantic City. All the others are doing fine, but nobody, that's another one where it's going to take a long time for gambling by itself to make money. But what will happen is everything around it. It will be the bars and the restaurants and the merchandise and the engagement at games where you can bet and stand and buy some beers. So uh, it's great for engagement. It's great for sports, secondary sports to get more attention and, and buzz too. Uh, but I think it's less of the, I don't know, the, the percentage that a, uh, a FanDuel DraftKings casino makes off of it and more of the engagement and interest level of uh, a fan. So the fan now may watch a game for an hour versus 20 minutes. So now all of a sudden they've seen 10 more ads or they have the ability to engage in other types of merchandise that's being offered uh, on the telecaster as they're streaming it. So I think it's what's around gaming, or excuse me, gambling, that will make it more impactful. Um, what are you telling your athlete clients about this? Um, because, okay, so it's legal now, and the leagues are getting on board with it, and they're going to have partnerships, and some teams are even going to have sports books either literally on their property or, or near it. And yet, there seems to be this danger of if you even publicly associate yourself at all, if you're someone who actually plays in these games, you've opened yourself up to the buzzword of integrity. 
and whether you're going to maintain it. So what are you telling your athlete clients when it comes to gambling? Be smart. Be smart like anything else, just like social media. Do things that are right and appropriate. And if there are activities that you think would ever question one's integrity, it's not worth doing. Um, I, I saw a conversation just in the past 24 hours about you know, why didn't Tiger take advantage of social media? I'm going to go on a tangent, but I'm going to come back to it. Why didn't he go take advantage of social media with his win at the Masters? And only Phil Mickelson did something really creative as he went down Magnolia Lane. Well, the reason is some of those guys, they don't need it. You know, fans want it. And when the athlete really dives in, fans even jump higher and say, this is exactly what I want. But these guys don't necessarily need it. And so they're not doing things that aren't appropriate for them. And so I bring it back. I would say the same thing. If there's something that's not appropriate for you, even if the fan wants more engagement and to hear what somebody's thoughts are in and around gambling, I'd stay out of it. It's not worth it if it's not you and it's not appropriate at the time. Um, you mentioned Tiger. I mean, this is just such a remarkable thing that recently happened here, him winning the Masters. Um, and I'm just curious your perspective on this because you're, you're dealing with brands and what happens in a marketplace when something happens. And so here's an all-time great star comeback story. In real time, real dollars, brand equity, marketing opportunities. What happens when that happens? Yeah, I think he... He gets to look at existing partners and go down in the bonus clauses and uh, gets to take advantage of incentives that were written as part of those deals, which I am sure are in every single one of them. So he is able to take advantage of that. As far as new opportunities, and we talked about this earlier in the pod, Tiger is going to be somebody that's going to care way more about business ownership and equity and global expansion than being on in the next car commercial uh, or cereal box and just making endorsement money and showing up for production days. I don't think that's an area of interest for him. Do I think opportunities are coming in every day? Yes. Do I think opportunities had been coming in over the past year? Probably yes also. And they pick and choose a bit on which ones make the most sense. I imagine for him, Asia and Middle East, really big, and golf development and expansion, that's where the opportunity is, as well as uh, continuing the expansion of his golf line and um, apparel. I would expect that's where he would spend more of his time, and video and content and production, like he's doing with Discovery and Golf TV in Asia similar model that uh, Steph Curry, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and LeBron have as far as their own production and becoming executive producers and finding content they want to push. Again, it's the same model. Instead of just always being in the content series, finding content series and opportunities that they can own. So he's a little bit different than if somebody else wins the Masters. uh, If I don't know who else is it, you know, uh, uh, Dustin Johnson or Brooks Koepka probably or Xander. If they had won the Masters um, or Molinari, there's probably immediate endorsement opportunities that pop and their appearance fee at corporate outings go up quite a bit. And they're so young in their career, they take advantage of that. I don't see 
Tiger taking advantage of those opportunities at this point in his career. Um, all right, I'll leave you with this. And um, since we're talking about Tiger Woods, there's him and there's literally everybody else. Um, so since we're all in that other bucket, if you want to create a brand for yourself, what would you tell people? Hmm. Uh, if we're talking about talent, this is obviously a personal choice. Uh, Pete Sampras chose to focus solely on tennis while Andre wanted to be a personality. Tim Duncan and David Robinson focused on playing basketball where Shaq wanted to be a personality. So if the idea to your question is I want that personality, I want to maximize marketing, branding, and business opportunities – it's the on-the-court success that gets you in the conversation. It's the off-the-court personality and, way you, and the ways you do things that make brands and consumers like and engage and want to work with you. you know, Anna Kornikova, 20 years ago, and this goes back to when I started at Octagon, if she wasn't number six in the world, could not have been in the conversation once she was in the conversation, the marketing person or the personality of her helped on the marketing side. And it's the same thing with, with all talent. You have to have the on the court, and then it's the personality traits and the way you handle yourself and what you do from a cause or philanthropy side or how you support your teammates or what you say. That's what gets you in the conversations from a marketing side. David Schwab has spent 20 years at Octagon. He is now an executive vice president. Thank you, David. Yeah, thanks, Bram. Up next, how do you get talent or money to the middle of Wisconsin? Extend the Packers brand. We'll discuss Title Town Tech with Rich Ryman of the Green Bay Gazette next. Teams and tech startups, they're starting to go hand in hand. The 49ers, the 76ers, the Wizards Capitals organization, among many others, are are diving into their own mini versions of Silicon Valley. But drawing talent to San Francisco, Washington, Philadelphia, that's one thing. How about Green Bay, Wisconsin, where the Packers and their partners are housing Titletown Tech? Rich Ryman from the Green Bay Gazette joins us now. Hey, Rich, what's happening there? Well, um, the Packers have uh, partnered with Microsoft to start with to uh, build this uh, uh, tech business um, at their Titletown district uh, development, which includes a lot of other things besides that. Uh, And then uh, this week they announced that uh, Jerry Jacobs, Jr. of uh, Delaware North and the Boston Bruins and uh, Jeff Wilpon of uh, the New York Mets uh, including some some other companies of his uh, have joined them to invest in uh, their venture fund, and uh, they they mark the opening of that uh, building this week, and uh, things are about to take off. What kind of businesses are they interested in? Well, they uh, they want uh, startups. Uh, they, they talk a lot about innovation. Uh, but they are focusing on uh, five business areas that uh, relate to northeastern Wisconsin particularly. Uh, they're talking about sports, media and entertainment, uh, digital health, 
agriculture, water, and environment, uh, advanced manufacturing and supply chain technology, uh, which, you know, in a lot of those, the applications would be go beyond Wisconsin, obviously. Do they have specific goals? Are they talking about that yet? Uh, not, uh, not that they've made public anyway. Um, other than uh, for their venture fund, their their goal is to raise twenty five million, and uh, the Packers and Microsoft are each uh, donating five million to that. They didn't say how much uh, Jacobs or uh, Wilpon will put into it, but I'm guessing that'll uh, be a couple million at least. This is an unusual place, at least maybe not in modern times, but in the past, an unusual place to, to try to do a, a mini Silicon Valley. So do they feel there's any disadvantage to try to attract people to that region due to population, weather, or any other reason? Well, I think that uh, part of the entire Town District project was to make this a more attractive place for younger workers. They've said that uh, a number of times. It's that as they've done their various developments. So I think implicit with that is that it's a little tougher to get younger people to come up here. We're not a very big um, uh, metro area compared to anywhere else in professional sports, really. Uh, and, and we've got a few big companies up here that would be attractive to uh, millennials, but you know, uh, the more you have, the, the better chance you've got of attracting people. And, and that's what a lot of this is aimed towards. The Packers are publicly owned, and I don't know if this is completely separate, but, but is there any role that the stockholders have in any of the decisions that are occurring? Well, as with all things Packers, uh, the stockholders get to vote on the directors, uh, and the directors, uh, they have a 45-member board of directors, which is pretty large and unwieldy. Uh, but they have a seven-member executive committee, and that's really where the power lies. Uh, the CEO and President Mark Murphy and the executive committee make most of the decisions. Uh, they meet quarterly with the larger board of directors and and go over those things, and, and I imagine there's some pretty good feedback because most of those directors are not uh, shrinking violets. Uh, but the real decisions making power lies with the CEO and the executive board. And that's where the money will come from and the businesses that will follow. Rich Ryman from the Green Bay Gazette on Titletown Tech. It's their version of HQ2. Thank you, Rich. You're welcome. That'll do it for us this week. Remember, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. <laughs>